The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. week's message, I want to encourage you to go back and to listen to that. You can go to newsongpeople.com slash media and you can listen to it. Uh, we're, we're taking on some initiatives this year to build the kingdom of God. And, and what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to raise $60,000 and none of that money is going to New Song. All of it we're sending out. We're going to build the kingdom of God. We're sending $50,000 to an organization called The Ark that plants churches all over the country and all over the world. And we're going to send them $50,000 to help them to plant another church. How many of you think that's a good idea, right? That's kingdom-minded stuff right there. We're going to do that. We're also going to give $10,000 to a church that will be planting in, called uh, Generations Church. It's planting in Denver, Colorado in September of this year. So $60,000 total that we're going to be just giving away. None of that money is going to New Song. All of that is going out into the kingdom. Because here's what we believe. We believe as we build the kingdom of God in this world, that God's going to build the kingdom around us. That he's going to build the kingdom of your life, your home, your family. He's going to build the kingdom of this church. He's going to grow and increase uh, our significance. And we believe God's going to do some great things through this. So you should have gotten one of these. I I really want to make sure you listen to that message because it will give you the heart for what God has called us to do through this. But it will also give you a little bit more detail on on these initiatives that we're taking on and how we're going to give. So check that out. Uh, you can also go to newsongpeople.com slash give, and you can make your Heart for the Kingdom contributions there. And then my last announcement is this. Uh, our men's breakfast this month is going to be really cool. We're doing a thing called Guys, Grub, and Guns. And uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to meet at Rudy's Tacos at 7 a.m. on July 16th. We're going to get some meat in our systems, because that's what we need as guys. And then we're going to go out, and we're going to shoot stuff. Not people or animals or anything. We're going to shoot targets. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun, and I want to encourage all of our dudes to come out. If you've never been to a men's breakfast before, this is a great chance for you to come out, meet some of the guys of the church, hang out with us, shoot stuff, and eat meat. Sound good? All right, sounds good. All right, well, uh, we're starting a brand new series today called Character Sketches, and uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the character of some of the characters of the Bible, and uh, looking at some, some characters that you know pretty well and some of the things that they did well, some of the things that they didn't do so well. Uh, We're going to be looking at maybe some characters you don't know very well. Uh, But it's going to be a really great several weeks of us just learning from these these patriarchs and these different people that went before us and helping us to develop the kind of character that will help us to become significant in the kingdom of God. And today, as we kick this off, I want to start with one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and that is... Joseph. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. If you don't have a a Bible or some kind of a device, don't worry. We'll have all of the verses up here on the screen. I'm going to be reading most of this from the message translation today. So if you have a device and you can look at it through the message, you can do that. Or like I said, look up here with with me. And uh, one of the things that's significant about the arc of the story of Joseph is, is that his life, here's the quick version of it, He gets a dream from the Lord, and then everything falls apart, but he holds on to the dream, and because he does, he ends up making the dream that God gives him becomes the reality of his life, and he ends up living the dream. And so today I want to talk to you about living the dream, how we step into the dream 
that God has for each and every one of us. So I've got four points for you this morning about living the dream. Point number one is this. Living the, the dream will require tenacity. Everybody say tenacity. A huge aspect of the character that we see in Joseph is that he had this tenacity. Now tenacity defined is this. It means the quality of being tenacious or holding fast or persistent. And that's what we see with Joseph, man. Joseph uh, got this dream, a God-given dream, and then his life got ugly. A lot of bad things happened, but he held on to the things that he believed. He held on to his beliefs about God, to his beliefs about the faithfulness of God. And really what you're going to see today is it was because of his belief in God that he was able to step into this dream that he had. Now, as I, as I start this morning, I want to make a statement. This isn't a rocket science statement, but it's an important statement for each and every one of us to understand, and it is this. You're, you will never fulfill a dream that you let go of. It's, it's true. If you let go of, the, of, of that dream, you're never going to walk in it. If you allow the circumstances of life to make you let go, understand the enemy is going to throw just enough circumstances at you to get you to let go. So you have to make up in your mind that you're going to have the kind of tenacity that says, no matter what, I'm going to hold fast, I'm going to hold tight, I'm going to see this dream come to pass in my life. Uh, the Bible says this in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the thoughts, so the other translations say the plans. It says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts are plans of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Make no mistake about it today, this verse tells us that God has plans for your life. He has thoughts for your life. He has a dream for your life. And here's the awesome thing about this dream that God has for you. In this dream is perfect everything for you. It's perfect fulfillment. It's perfect peace. It's perfect joy. It's, it's, it's the life that you want to live. But beyond that, this perfect life, this dream life that God has for you is not just about your pers personal life, but it's actually about building the kingdom of God. See, in your, in your dream life, the kingdom of God gets, adv gets advanced. And so this is one of the reasons why the enemy fights against us stepping into the dream that God has for us. Because he doesn't want us to walk in that dream life that God has for us. Because he knows how much damage it's going to do to his kingdom of darkness and its reign in this world. And so he will do everything he can to try to knock you off of the dream and, and that tenacity that God, that you need to have inside of you to get you to let go of the dream. He'll, he'll put people in your life that will, that will try to, to get you off on the wrong things. Uh, he'll, he'll cause you to, to think the wrong way about God, see God in the wrong way. He'll, he'll try to convince you that your dream is too big. It's going to take too much work. That, that, that really can't be what God has planned for you. He will... He will do anything and everything he possibly can to try to keep you from your dream. So the key is we got to have tenacity. we got to be willing to hold on and not let go. Okay, did you guys find Genesis 37 yet? I gave you a little time there. Genesis 37. Now let me set this up for you real quick, okay? Joseph is, is one of 11 brothers. And Joseph's family is like Jerry Springer stuff. It is, it is messed up. Uh, Joseph's dad, Jacob, who is also called Israel... Is, uh, is the father of, of, of Israel, the, that, that group of people, the, the Hebrew Jewish people. And he has four wives, which is, I, I don't know how people would ever think this was a good idea. <laughs> I, have enough hard to, I have enough of a hard time with the one, but he has four. And his favorite, which is another problem, is this girl named Rachel, who cannot have children. 
But finally, she does have children, and her son is, is Joseph. And so Joseph is born, and he becomes the favorite son. And so there's 11 brothers, there's four moms, there's, there's a favorite. Like, it is a jacked-up system, okay? So we're just going to start in verse 2. It says this, the story continues with Joseph, 17 years old at the time, helping out his brothers in herding the flocks. These were his half-brothers, actually, the sons of his father's wives, Bilah and Zilpah. Now, now look at this. This is interesting. And Joseph brought his father bad reports on them. Okay, so, so the first thing we read about Joseph, like the first action we see in his life, is that he's a tattletale. He's, he's coming to his dad and he's saying, hey, you know, they're doing this over here. Like, this is not a good start, all right? So let's read on. Verse 3, Israel, this is Joseph's father, also known as, as Jacob, he says, uh, it says, he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the child of his old age. So, so far, we are three verses into the story of Joseph, and we know two things about him. He is a tattletale, and he is daddy's favorite. This is not a good recipe, okay, especially in a dysfunctional family. It goes on to say, and he, talking about his dad, uh, made him an elaborately embroidered, embroidered coat. This is the coat of many colors. Uh, when his brothers realized, notice it says they realized this. Not that they thought this, they realized, realized that their father loved him more than them. They grew to hate him. They wouldn't even speak to him. Okay, so his brothers hate him, right? Because now he's a tattletale, he's daddy's favorite, and now he's walking around in a coat that says that his dad prefers him over all of you guys, right? I mean, you can see how this is not a good start Joseph and his dad are making it kind of easy for him to be hated here, right? It goes on to say this. Uh, Joseph has a dream. And Joseph is just... Jo- yeah. It's interesting about the story of Joseph. is like you read this story and he never really does like... You don't read in his story about him committing a sin or doing... But you just kind of read his story and you're just like, man, this kid is going to get beat up, right? You guys know... Like you remember that kid at school that you're just going, somebody is going to clean his clock someday. I think I was that kid at school actually. But you read this about Joseph. Okay, so here he goes. Now, this is just, it's like, how can you think that this is going to go over well? He said, listen to this dream I had. We were all out in the field gathering bundles of wheat. All of a sudden, my bundle stood up, and your bundle circled around it and bowed down to mine. Awesome, right? This goes over like a lead balloon. His brother said this, so you're going to rule over us. You're going to be the boss. You're going to boss us around. And look at this. And they hated him more. Why? than ever because of his dreams and the way he talked. But Joseph isn't done. He's got more. Verse 9, I dreamed another dream. The sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to me. Now, this could only mean, he's got 11 brothers, 11 11 stars, sun and the moon, his mother and father. He's basically saying, hey, family, you're all going to worship me someday. You're going to bow down to me. So his, it says this, when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father reprimanded him. What's with all this dreaming? Am I and your mother and your brothers all supposed to bow down to you? Okay, so Joseph is 17 years old. Uh, at 17 years old, I was not the best version of me, right? Anybody else, 17 years old, you kind of look back at that and you go, man, I need some help, okay? But Joseph gets this dream, and, and listen, this is a God-given dream. It's from the Lord. This is a God-given dream of him being in a position of authority. But, but what didn't come with the dream was necessarily the ability to know how to share it with the people in his life. And so because he didn't know how to share it properly and because he shared it with people that really, I mean, you already knew that they hate, his, some of his brothers hated him, it caused him to get into some trouble. 
And I think one of the things we can learn from Joseph right off the bat here is just because God gives you a dream, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to give that dream or the ability for people around you to understand and see you walking in that dream. And, And sometimes I think we make the mistake of sharing things with the wrong people. And because we share with the wrong people, we can actually uh, thwart God's ability for us to walk in it. And we see this in the life of Jesus in Mark chapter 6. Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth. And he's going there. And this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. Everywhere he goes, he's, he's healing people. He's preaching on a, a whole other level than everybody else. And he goes into his hometown of Nazareth. And it says that he could do no miracles there. It says this in verse 5. It says, He could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And look at this. And he marveled. He was amazed by their unbelief. Notice it says, it says that he could do no mighty work there. Not that he wouldn't do. It says he couldn't. Why couldn't he? Because of their unbelief. Listen, Jesus was limited in his ability because of people that were a little too familiar with him and their lack of belief in him. Now, if that can happen to Jesus, don't you think it's possible that that could maybe happen to us? If we share the, 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 the right stuff with the wrong people, that it could maybe affect us in the wrong way? If, if they, could, they could cause us to have unbelief in ourselves, unbelief in the dream. It's important that we share this dream, this God-given dream that maybe God's put in your heart, that we give it out to the right people, that we understand. Not everybody's gonna see you walk in the dream. And listen, that's okay, because God didn't give your dream to everybody else. He gave it to you, all right? So we gotta hold on to the dream. Now, the story takes a drastic turn from here. Uh, Joseph goes to visit his brothers one day. They hate him. They hate him even more, it says. As he's coming to see them, they see him at a distance, and they decide to, to kill him. And so he gets to them, they throw him into this pit. Uh, Bible scholars believe this pit was about 30 feet deep. So there's probably some damage that took place in him falling down into this pit. They, they have him in there, they're plotting on how they're gonna kill him and then they, they change their mind and they decide instead to sell him into slavery. So they take him, they sell him into slavery, he's gone. They take his coat of many colors, they, they find an animal, they, they kill an animal, they put the blood of that on it, bring it to their father, convince their father that he's dead And so as far as they're concerned, as far as that family's concerned, Joseph is completely out of the picture. And this would be a great opportunity for Joseph to to look at his situation and say, you know what, these dreams are never gonna come to pass. This is never gonna happen. Uh, My my dreams have been thwarted. I might as well give up and just settle for the life that I'm gonna be living the rest of my life. But he doesn't do that. And the reason he doesn't do it is because he trusts God. And that's point number two this morning. Point number two is living the dream will require trust. Now jump over to Genesis chapter 39 and I'll show you how Joseph showed us that he trusted God. Verse two, this is after he's been sold into slavery. It says this, as it turned out, God was with Joseph. If you have a physical Bible with you, highlight that, write that down, put that in your notes. God was with Joseph. We're gonna see that throughout his story. And things went very well for him. He ended up living in the home of an Egyptian master. His master recognized that God was with him, saw that God was working for good in everything he did, and he became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aid. He put him in charge of all his personal affairs. Look at this, turning everything over to him. From that moment on, God blessed the home of an Egyptian Potiphar, all because of Joseph. 
The blessing of God spread over everything Potiphar owned, at home and in the fields. And all Potiphar had to do, look at this, all he had to do was concern himself with eating three meals a day. Now there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that we could talk about, about the blessing of God being on you and how it could affect everyone in your life. But I wanna hone in on something that it talks about here. It says God was with Joseph and it says that his master Potiphar recognized that God was with him. Now I used to always read that and I would think, well, yeah, so he sees you know, that, that the blessing that's on his life, he sees that everything is turning out good and, and you know, he obviously recognizes that that's God's hand on his life. But, but as I studied it more this week, I, I discovered something about this that, that really stood out to me that, that points to the trust that Joseph had in God. In the original translation of this, uh, when, it talks about his, when it talks about Potiphar seeing God in his life, it says it like this. It says, his master saw that the Yahweh was with him and that the Yahweh caused all that he did to succeed. Now, Yahweh is the Hebrew name for God, okay? You guys follow me for just a minute. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go history on you here. Uh, Potiphar is an Egyptian. In Egyptian culture, they had over 2,000 gods. Pretty much everything was a god to them. But none of those 2,000 gods was the Yahweh. Uh, they didn't know anything about the Hebrew God. Uh, God was a very impersonal thing to the Egyptian people. And yet Potiphar sees the blessing on, on Joseph's life and he recognized it as it being not just a God, but the Yahweh. How does he know about this Yahweh? I'll tell you how he knows. Because Joseph talks about the Yahweh. Joseph worships the Yahweh. Joseph gives praise to the Yahweh. Joseph points everything to the point that everyone around him doesn't just recognize this favor on him as being that he's really awesome, but that this favor on him is there because he is pointing them to the fact that the Yahweh, that God is the reason that this favor is on him. You see, he, he, he saw, he still trusted God. Even though everything on the outside was falling apart, everything didn't look Right, He was still putting his trust, putting his favor, putting his praise, putting everything out there that people saw the hand of God. And not just a God, but the God was on his life. He trusted God. And listen, I think we can all learn from, from that. Because in our life, we're going to face stuff. Uh, you, you, just because you're a Christian does not mean everything's going to be perfect all the time. In fact, Jesus said that in this world, you're going to have tribulations. You're going to have trials. You're going to face Stuff, But what you can know is that no matter what you face, just like Joseph, that God will be with you in the middle of it. That God will never leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says this. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of this. For the Lord your God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I, I looked that, that sentence up this week. It is, it is all throughout scripture. He will never leave you, forsake you, is said over and over and over again in Scripture. Listen, we, we may forsake God, but he will never forsake you. He is in this thing with you for the long haul. He's there for you, and he will be there for you. And you can trust him. You can put the whole weight of your life into him. He will be there for you. Isaiah 49 verse 23 says, Truly, those who hope and trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. If your trust is in God, the Bible tells you, which the Bible is truth, the Bible tells you 
that you will not be disappointed. Will you face disappointments? Sure, you'll face stuff. But ultimately in your life, you will never be disappointed following God. Do you think it was disappointing for Joseph when he got sold into slavery? Absolutely. But Joseph ultimately was not disappointed. He actually realized the dream that God has for him because he trusted in the Lord. Living in the, the dream will require trust. John 16, I said this earlier. In this world, you will face tribulations. Jesus said this. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. You're going to have some hard times in life, but no matter what your circumstances are, no matter how dark things may get, no matter how frustrated you may feel right now, you could know this, that Jesus is here with you. God is with you, and he's watching over you, and he's not going to let you go, and he's not going to leave you, and even though it may seem dark today, there is a hope in him. So number one, living the dream will require tenacity. Number two, living the dream will require trust. Point number three is this, living the dream will require trustworthiness. If you, if you want to see God's dream come to, to fruition in your life, you're going to have to be the kind of person that God and other people can trust in, that, that you're a trustworthy person. Uh, read on in Genesis 39, verse 6, we read this. It says, Joseph was strikingly was a strikingly handsome man. As time went on, his master's wife became infatuated with Joseph and one day said, sleep with me. All right, so Potiphar's wife sees Joseph and apparently he's got it going on, right? And so she comes to him and she says, I want you to sleep with me. Uh, And she's not talking about taking a nap. (laughs) She's talking about having sex. And, uh, and, but Joseph won't do it. In fact, it says this verse eight, Joseph wouldn't do it. He said to his master's wife, look, with me here, my master doesn't give a second thought to anything that goes on here. He's put me in charge of everything he owns. He's treated me as an equal. The only thing he hasn't turned over to me is you. You're his wife after all. How could I violate, look at this, his trust and sin against God? See, Joseph understands something. He understands that he has the trust of of the person in authority over his life, of his master. And he does not want to violate that trust with that person. But beyond that, he sees that violating that trust with that person is also going to violate and sin against God. And he still sees himself, even in this situation where he's not in his dream, he sees it as a blessing and he doesn't want to do anything that will violate that trust. But the wife of Potiphar, she, she persists. It says in verse 10, she pestered him day after day after day. Joseph was in the house of Potiphar 11 years. So we don't know how long this goes on. This could have been going on for years that she was trying to get him to have sex with her. But he would not do it. He stood his ground. And he refused to go to bed with her, it says. So the story goes on that, that she kind of sets things up to the point where Joseph and her are in the house alone one day. And so she comes on to Joseph again in this moment and, uh, and tries to get him to have sex with her to the point that he has to run away and in the process of running away his, his outer cloak gets, gets taken off him. Basically, she's trying to rape him, <laughs> okay? But when he won't do that, when he won't you know, go along with her deal, she gets so angry because she doesn't love him at all, she just lusts for him, that she then goes to her husband, Potiphar, And she accuses him of rape. It says this in verse 19. When his master, this is talking about Potiphar, heard his wife's story, he was furious. 
Joseph's master took him and threw him into the jail where the king's prisoners were locked up. Now, something that stood out to me in this, uh, it says when his master's wife heard his story, he was furious. Now, notice it doesn't say he was furious with Joseph. It says he was, he was furious. What was he furious with? His wife's story. And, and, and here's one of the reasons why I believe that Potiphar was actually mad at his wife and not with Joseph. Because in this culture, in Egypt, if you were a slave and you tried to have sex, to try to rape the, the wife of your master, there was no court case. You were killed. You were put to death. But he was not put to death. He was given a, a life sentence in prison, which was like not, not a bad deal for this situation. Now, Potiphar had to do something. Potiphar was a, was a very high up guy and he had a reputation and he had other servants. He had, he had to do something. But I believe that Potiphar was actually angry with his wife because now Joseph is going to, or Potiphar is going to lose his servant that makes his whole home run well, that he sees the hand of God on his life, that he sees. And, and I believe this, it also points to the trust that Potiphar has in Joseph. He trusts, he trusts what, his, what Joseph is saying more than he does his wife. Are you guys following me here? It, it's pointing to the fact that he believes Joseph really over his wife. Because if he didn't, I believe he would have killed him. But instead, he throws him into prison. But I believe he was angry with his wife because... Remember, all Potiphar had to concern himself with was three meals a day. And now he's going to lose that person who was doing that in his life. But Joseph, uh, Joseph did not, did not uh, throw in the towel after this. He never succumbed to this temptation. He never allowed himself to go there. And listen, he could have gotten away with it. But he knows that if he would have done it, he would have lost trust with the Lord. He would have sinned against God. The... Bible scholars and, and theologians and history people believe that this, this Potiphar's wife's name was uh, Zuleika, which means brilliant beauty, which means that she wasn't so bad to look at herself. She's probably very attractive. And yet Joseph did not take advantage of this situation because his trust was in God and he didn't want to sin against God. It's an amazing story. Once again, we see that Joseph... Is now and, and here's the thing. After this happens, <laughs> I mean, here he is doing the right thing again, and now he gets thrown into prison. Like, what did it get him? It gets him thrown into prison. And once again, you have the situation where Joseph could go, well, you know, this, this is not working. This following God thing it does not seem to be working. This does not seem to be getting me where I want to go in life. So, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm just going to do things my way. But he doesn't do that. He continues to trust God, and he continues to be trustworthy even in prison. And because of that, the hand of God continues to be on him, and the favor of God continues to be on him. In Genesis 39, at the very end, it says, But there in jail, God was still with Joseph. He reached out in kindness to him. He put him on good terms with the head jailer. The head jailer put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. He ended up managing the whole operation. The head jailer gave Joseph free reign, never even checked on him because God was with him. Whatever he did, God made sure it worked out for the best. God never left Joseph. God was still with him, and the same is true for me and you. God is with us. No matter what we're facing, no matter the setbacks that we may see as setbacks, maybe it's just God positioning us to prepare us for what he has for us. Okay, so the story goes on. We're going to jump over to Genesis 41 now. And, and the Pharaoh has this dream. 
And he realizes that it's a, it's, a, it's a significant dream, but he doesn't quite understand what the dream means. And he wants someone to interpret this dream. Well, in Genesis 40, uh, while Joseph is in prison, there's these two guys that, that are serving the king that get thrown into prison. And they have dreams while they're in prison. And they tell these dreams to Joseph and he interprets them. He interprets that one of them is going to be killed and one of them is going to be put back in the service of the king. And it happened exactly how he said it was going to happen. So when the Pharaoh has this dream and he needs somebody to interpret it, the one that was put back into the service of the king speaks up. It says this in verse 9. The head cupbearer, that's the guy that he interpreted the dream that went back into service with him, then spoke up and said, Pharaoh, I just now remembered something. Why he just now remembered this, I have no idea, but... I'm sorry, he says. I should have told you this long ago. Once when Pharaoh got angry with his servants, he locked me and the head baker in the house of the captain of the guard. We both had dreams on the same night, each dream with its own meaning. It so happened that there was a young Hebrew slave there with us. He belonged to the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, each dream separately. Things turned out just as he interpreted. I was returned to my position and the head baker was impaled. So the Pharaoh says, okay, well, bring this guy to me. I want you to bring this guy to me. Let's see if he can interpret my dream. So they go get Joseph out of the prison. They bring him before the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh says, all right, I heard that you can interpret dreams. Can you interpret mine? Now this, I love this verse. I love Joseph's response to Pharaoh in this. And once again, this will point to the trust he has in God and to who he's serving. Joseph answered, not I, but God will set Pharaoh's mind at ease. He could have really easily said, yeah, I can interpret your dream, but he doesn't. And it once again talks, speaks to what we talked about earlier when he was with Potiphar. He was still allowing everyone around him to know, listen, I serve the Yahweh. And maybe I, I can't interpret your dream, but the Yahweh, he can. He can interpret this dream for you. And so he shares the dream, uh, Pharaoh shares the dream with Joseph, Joseph interprets it. He says there's going to be seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. And then in verse uh, 33, he says this. So Pharaoh needs to look for a wise and experienced man and put him in charge of the country. Pharaoh thought this was a great idea. He says, you're the man for us. I'm putting you in charge of the entire country of Egypt. And he makes Joseph the prime minister of Egypt. Verse 44 says, Pharaoh told Joseph this. I am Pharaoh, but no one... Everybody say no one. No. no one in Egypt will make a single move without your stamp of approval. Guys, this is nuts, okay? A few years earlier, this, this kid is sold into slavery by his own family. And, and years later, he is now number two. But really, what the Pharaoh says is no one's going to make a decision without you in one of the most powerful empires in human history. That doesn't happen easily. He's a foreigner in this land too. Only God could do something like this. But here's something I want to see, and this is point number four. This didn't happen overnight. It took time. And my point number four today is living the dream will require time. It says in verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he went to work for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. How old was he when he started? You may remember? 17. So it took 13 years, 11 of which were in Potiphar's house, two years in prison. He spent all that time waiting to, to see the dream fulfilled. 
Now, we live in a world today where we're really into instant gratification, right? Instant messaging, instant information. Uh, you know, we, we, everything is at our fingertips nowadays, it seems like. We go to restaurants, and if we have to sit there for longer than eight minutes for our food to come out, it's like, what's wrong with this place? And I think part of the problem is it's kind of created in us a culture of people that are not very patient. She understands something. God is not in a hurry in your life. God's not a microwave God. And, and to everything, there is a season. In fact, the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything, there is a season and a time to, look at this, every purpose under heaven. The, the purposes of God, if, if your dream, which it should be, is a purpose that God has for this earth under heaven, then listen, there is a time and a season for it. And God ain't gonna fast forward it just because you want to. Because God is more concerned about you getting there and learning and developing and getting everything you need so that when you get there, you can handle it. So that you don't fall and stumble and, and mess it up. God wants to help prepare you. And that's what he did with Joseph. In those years that Joseph was in slavery and those years that he was at Potiphar's house and those years that he was in prison, he was developing things that helped him to become who he needed to be at the end. He was learning how to manage people. He was learning how to manage uh, groups and, and how to deal with people. When he was in prison, he had to deal with people that would lie and steal and cheat. He had to have a spirit of discerning to understand that. And listen, he would need that during those years of famine when people were coming to him trying to get food. He needed to understand what was the truth and what was a lie. And he was developing all of this godly character in those years when he was not necessarily stepping into the dream that God had for him. But all along, he was taking the big step to get there. And the same is true for me and you. We gotta realize that there's a process to this. In Genesis 50, verse 20, uh, Joseph is dealing with his brothers, because see, here's what happens. His brothers that sold him into slavery are starving to death. And so they come to Egypt to, to meet this, this prime minister that they don't know it's their, his, their brother, to meet him and plead for some food. And they go before him and, and he knows who they are. And he plays it cool and doesn't let them know, kind of freaks them out a little bit, messes with them. But then at the end, he, he forgives them. And he says this in verse 20. This is an amazing statement. And this kind of sums up everything. He says this to his brothers. He says, you meant evil against me. Because they did. They meant bad for him. They hated him. But look at this. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. To Joseph, his trust was always in God. He saw God's hand in his life. He knew God was with him. He knew God was taking care of him. He knew God was watching over him. So he didn't let the circumstances dictate his life and what he thought about God. He continued to trust in God and be trustworthy. And, and because of that, his dream became his reality. And, and understand this today. We are all affected by his faithfulness. See, let me break this down for you. If Joseph's brothers never sold him into slavery, then he never gets sold and into the house of Potiphar. If he never gets sold to Potiphar, Potiphar's wife never falsely accuses him of rape. If Potiphar's wife never falsely accuses him of rape, then he is never put in prison. If he is never put in prison, he never meets the baker and the butler of the Pharaoh. If he never meets the baker and the butler of Pharaoh, he never interprets their dreams. If he never interprets their dreams, he never gets to interpret Pharaoh's dream. If he never gets to interpret Pharaoh's dream, he never is made the prime minister. If he is never made the prime minister, he's never able to wisely administrate over the famine. If he's never able to wisely administrate over the famine coming up on the region, then his family back in Canaan perishes from the famine. 
If his family back in Canaan perishes, perishes from the famine, the Messiah can't come forth from a dead family. If the Messiah can't come forth from a dead family, then Jesus never came. And if Jesus never came, you and I are dead in our sins and without hope in this world. Everything that happened in the life of Joseph not only affected him and helped him to step into the dream God had for him, but it was kingdom stuff. And it helped him to not only affect that region and those people, but we are affected by it today. His faithfulness affects us today. Because of him, the line of Israel stayed strong and was carried out, and the Messiah came from that line. Amazing stuff. And listen, in your life, you're going to face things. You're going to face tough times. You're going to face disappointment. The enemy's going to try to get you to let go of stuff. But you need to understand something. You're going to have to learn to hold on to your dreams, even when the circumstances of your life show no sign of those dreams becoming your reality. Something hit me really hard this week as I looked at this story. Um, Joseph woke up in a prison cell and went to sleep in a palace. And one day, everything changed. You know, a month before they came to get him and to bring him before Pharaoh, he was a prisoner. A week before they came to get him and bring him before Pharaoh, he was a prisoner. A day before they came to get him and bring him before Pharaoh, he was a prisoner. An hour before they came to get him and bring him before Pharaoh, he was in prison. A minute before they came to get him and bring him before Pharaoh, he was in prison. But when the time came, everything changed. And what if today, what if you're a month away from stepping into your dream? What if today, everything seems dark, everything seems like you're going nowhere, but what if you're a week away from your dream becoming your reality? What if you're a day away? What if you're an hour away? What if it's happening right now? What if everything's about to change? What if we live that way? I believe Joseph did because his trust was in God. And we have to have that same kind of trust. We have to have that same kind of faith. Now, maybe you're here today. I'm gonna invite the band to go ahead and come forward now. Maybe you're here today and you're hearing all this and you're going, wow, that's great. And I get that God has a dream for me, but I have no idea what that is. And so how do I, how do I step into a dream that I don't even really see? Like I have no idea what it, what it is. Well, I wanna give you real quick, just three things to help you to find your dream. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one is this, ask God. <laughs> the Bible says we have not because we ask not. The Bible says that people perish for a lack of knowledge. If you don't know what that dream is, here's where you start. You start by going to God and just saying, God, what's your dream? What's that thing that you have for me? What's that thing that you've called me to do? And then here's what you do. You ready? You listen. You listen with your heart. You listen with your, your ears. You listen to hear God speak to you. But listen, you don't just listen with those things. You listen to your life. Listen to your dissatisfaction. What bothers you? Uh, I, I found in my life, you know, we think about dreams. You think about a dream, you think, you know, you go to sleep and you have a dream. I, I found that a lot of times the dreams that God's placed in my heart are the things that keep me from going to sleep. They're the things that I lay there and I go, man, we gotta fix this. We gotta change this. You know, at Newsar, we're, we're doing church different. We're trying to, to create a different expectation for people when it comes to the things of God. And we're doing that because there's things about church that bother me. But people don't understand that church is more than just coming and getting a good talk for the day. But that we encounter Jesus. 
We get to worship him and touch him with our praise. And we get to leave better than how we came. And we get to have relationships with people that affect our lives. Where we build each other up and make a difference. That's what we're, that's what we're working on here. And we're, we're not there yet. And it keeps me up at night sometimes. But you know what? That's my passion. That's my dream. That's something God, what's that for you? What's that thing that you look at it sometimes and you go, why doesn't anyone else see this? Like, it's so obvious to me. It's obvious to you because it's your dream. It's the thing God's put on your heart. So listen to your dissatisfaction. Listen to others. Have some people in your life that you can share things with that will speak into you. Now, I talked earlier about you can't share it with everybody. I'm talking about the people that love you, the people that are for you. And if you're not sure if someone cares about you, if they treat you like they don't care about you, listen, believe them. They don't care about you. If someone continually does things in your life that puts them above you and says, you know what, I don't, if you're asking yourself, I'm not really sure if this person cares about you, believe it, they don't, okay? So quit trying to get some care from them or some love for them and go to the people that really do love you, that have the best in mind for you, that have the best in store for you. Go to them. Quit trying to get something from someone who doesn't really care about you, okay? Listen to others. Listen to people that love you. Listen to your gifts. What talents has God given you? What things has he placed inside of you that you can share? You know, David's up here. David's a gifted singer. He's using his gifts. What are the gifts God's put in you? What are the things that he's placed inside of you? Use those gifts. Listen to your passions. Those things that, that get you excited, that get you, that get you pumped up, that make you want to kind of jump around and shout. What are those things? You got to ask God and then listen. All right, number two, let go of the wrong dream. It's hard to grab a hold of the right dream when you're holding on to the wrong one. And we see this all the time in the world. I mean, there's all these TV shows like The Voice, <laughs> American Idol, where you see people that are holding on to the wrong dream, right? It's like, oh my gosh, no, you're not gifted with that. And, and I see this in the church world sometimes. It's like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're, you're saying that verse out of context. I'm sorry. But if you read that verse in context, what it's talking about is you can do everything God has called you to do. Not he, you can do anything you want. Go jump off your house and tell God that you want to fly. It ain't going to happen. This is what I'm called to do. You can't do that, okay? But what you're called to do, you can do. So here's the thing. Here's what you need to do. God hasn't called you to anything. He's called you to something. Write that down. He hasn't called you to just anything. He's called you to something. So what is the something? Let go of the anythings that are holding you back from something so that you can step into and grab a hold of the something, all right? Uh, and, and the number three, if you don't know what your dream is, you see this in the life of Joseph, serve someone else's dream. If you're not quite sure, if you're still developing it, serve someone else's dream. Find somebody that maybe is doing the dream that you have and, and serve them, follow them, give yourself to them. That's what we see in Joseph. He went into, everywhere he went, he served he, he served the people that were in front of them. He gave his life to whatever their, their life was. He made their dreams come true. Potiphar didn't have to do anything but eat. That's how much he worked for Potiphar. And because of that, when we serve other people, like we're serving the Lord, it positions us to step into the dream God has for you. You can have your dream. God has a dream for you. He's got a plan for you. You can have it, but you gotta, you gotta find it got to go after it. You got to hold on to it. God put a dream in my heart at 17 years old to have a church. And I stepped into it last year at 35. And it's just getting started. But I had to wait a long time. But listen, all those years in between, so much development took place to get me to this place. 
So don't get in a hurry. Let God do what he needs to do. Instead of just trying to get through the test quickly, pass the test. The quicker you pass the test, the quicker you can move on. Point number one, living in the dream will require tenacity. You gotta hold on. Living in the, the dream will require trust. You gotta trust God, put him first. He's not gonna leave you, he's gonna be there with you. Living the dream will require trustworthiness. You gotta be a person that people can trust and that God can trust. And number four, living the dream will require time. Just because it doesn't happen overnight doesn't mean God's not gonna do it. If you would, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we thank you today that you have a dream for every life in here, a dream for every person here today. And we thank you for this example we have in the character of Joseph that we can draw strength and wisdom from. Lord, help us to be the kind of people that have tenacity to say we're not gonna let go of the things that you've placed in our heart. We're gonna hold fast. We're gonna hold strong. We're gonna see the dreams that you have for us come to, to life in our life, Lord. If you're here today and you have any need of prayer, I wanna love to pray for you. In fact, I'm gonna invite our altar ministry team forward right now. And uh, if you're here today and you have any prayer need, maybe something's going on in your life, Maybe you need somebody to agree with you in prayer over your dream. Maybe you are here today and you don't know Jesus. You'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need wisdom. Whatever it may be, these people are up here and they would love to pray with you. They would love to join their faith with yours this morning and just agree. We believe that when we come together in in prayer like this, that it, it releases God's power. And so if you would, if that's you today, you have any need, Uh, Here in just a moment, we're going to go back into a song. And during that song, you can come forward and you can receive prayer. Uh, But if you don't have any need, if you would, would you go ahead and stand with me this morning? If you don't have any need, here's what I want to do. I want to just seal this time that we had today in worship. And I want you to just say this to the Lord right now. Just ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me in this message? What's the thing that God is speaking to you about in this message? And let let that just become something that's sealed in your heart like the things were sealed in Joseph's heart. That you're gonna hold on to it. I know God's got big things in store for people in this room today. And there's some of you that maybe your circumstances have caused you to come off the dream a little bit. Listen, don't let go. Don't give up. Don't think because you're older or because your family history. Joseph's family was jacked up, okay? It didn't affect him. It's not going to affect you. So, Lord, we thank you this morning. I I invite uh, your presence into this place to speak to us right now. Communicate whatever you have to say. And I pray that you would draw all people to your altar in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.